Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, here again with uh, Rich Klein and Brad Bethune, a Texas card dude. We're going to talk about the challenges of getting back in the hobby after a hiatus. A lot of people collected as a kid, they maybe collected as a young adult, but at some point, the life can get in the way of collecting sometimes, and collecting has never been as hot as it is now. So we find a lot of people that have jumped back in, and we're going to bat that around, hearing from Brad especially. But thanks, sponsors. Uh, Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, CompC.com, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, and Panini, Upper Deck, and Tops. So welcome, Brad. Welcome, Rich. Uh, Rich, you've never taken a hiatus. I don't think I, I really have either, but Brad has. Brad took a long hiatus. As we were talking about, my hiatus was I never left the hobby. I just didn't do as much. You never left the hobby either, but you were you had to consolidate all your material after you sold the company, and that was a different type of hiatus. But, but I was tracking with it, right. but I just wasn't hands-on. But Brad, when you come back after a hiatus, the, the, it's it's completely different in some respects. So how big of an adjustment did you have? It's like drinking from a fire hose. It, it was completely overwhelming. There were items in the hobby that I had no clue. Who knew there were zebra-striped cards? Chromium had completely taken off with Panini. I wanted to look where the, rel the relics, when I left, were just starting to gain popularity. Now, nobody really likes relics. It's like a meh type of thing. Everybody's chasing RPAs and autographs were just starting to become a thing when I left. So we were like, so don't sign the card. You're going to ruin the card. And now everybody's, you need the card signed. Otherwise, the card's ruined. And then the information can come at you so fast and the the, the different products and, and it can get extremely overwhelming very quickly and pricing as well. Back was, I remember you still could buy packs for three to five dollars back in the, and then when I jump back in, you're looking for the three dollar packs and there's nothing around. Everything's 20 to, to up to the dollar amounts exploded. And then all of a sudden I was in for a year and then everything disappeared. You can't find anything on the shelf. So overwhelming is a great word. When I got back in after college and I'm sitting there, I could subscribe to SCD and Trader Speaks. And then later on, we had our magazines where people could get in the mail. They could get a publication that they could <laughs> track with that. But there's not much reliance on print publications anymore. When you jump back in, you're basically searching the Internet. Yeah. You're talking to friends about, hey, what's the new deal? Yeah. the I surfed. I started YouTube because at lunch I was watching YouTube movie promos. So I was learning about the movies that way. So I jumped into starting watching you know, YouTube and all of a sudden I landed on the Hobby Hotline 1.0. And I literally spent an entire week watching Hobby Hotline until I caught up. And then they talked about Mike Summer, the Mike Summer, the Mike Summer's podcast, Wax Pack Hero, extremely great use of information. So then I started consuming his. Then my thirst for knowledge and my technology background merged to where, okay, I started setting up Google alerts and I started doing keyword searching and SEO. But then again, the information started coming flooding. So then I started trying to pare back. And the more that I learned, the more that I realized that I don't know what I didn't know or know what I didn't know. So then I started paring back the information until it started slowing down. I've been in for a year and it still doesn't slow down, but at least I'm able to consume the information better. Brad, do you consider yourself unusual in how much you information you consume? We were doing Hobby Hotline this morning and there was a snake line of people trying to get into the East Coast National Hotster mm -hmm. that I saw a photo of. 
you and I went to Kyle's grand opening store today. Mm-hmm. And I bet you those people, some of them probably know, I bet you most of those people didn't really know. They may have heard about the Wagner just because of the sheer dollar volume of the sale. They may not have known the other two things that happened this week. Do you ever think you're over-informed as to what's going on? And do you think you'd enjoy yourself more if you just said, hey, I'm just going to collect what I like and I'm here for the ride? That's a great question. It goes back to my work and my history. I've got a sales background. And in sales, you were not just what's the product, but what does the product do? Where's the product from? And what effect does the product have on the next situation? And it was not just A, but A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and H you needed to know whenever you were sitting across from a prospect or from a customer or even in a luncheon to be able to explain everything. And to be able to do that, you had to absorb and, and understand and then know what's around your room and then be able to speak to each person about it. And that's what I've taken to the hobby or to the business. And those of you who don't know, I'm cards are my full-time business now. So I treat it the same way. Sometimes I wish every once in a while that I could go back to taking a break and just have the ability to just but then it wouldn't be having so much fun. Okay, but it's a moving target. Okay, right. so you're involved, but there's so much. Ha- I haven't heard anything in your description about uh, a lot of people complain in the culture even about misinformation. Are you saying that a very high percentage of the information that you were gathering was helpful? Yes. But it was not misinformation. Of course, Mike Summer, I think Hobby Hotline, they're not trying to steer people in the wrong way. They're trying to be helpful. But there is some criticism on YouTube that some of the people are maybe, if not misinformation, trying to steer you in the way they want you to go. Yeah. But you didn't find that much. It was mainly pretty on target, but there's so much that comes out. How do you? First of all, I've been very blessed to not have the unfortunate things to happen to me as to being steered in a particular direction. And I've been very blessed with the friends and the relationships that I have and mentors, thanks both of you and to John Newman and to several else and Mike Summer, all of y'all that that have helped me along my journey. For somebody who's coming back new into the hobby, the one thing that I can say is go find your mentors. Go find people that know more than you that can help steer you in, and not just from one person or two people, but from several people. I think finding Hobby Hotline was probably my saving grace in anything. Because of that community of people, I was able to avoid those because you have guys that, that were there to say, hey, don't, hey, this is negative. You might want to look at this or, hey, this is suspicious. You might want to learn about this so that you can see the positives and negatives. So yes, there is a lot of misinformation, but because of my wanting to intake a whole bunch of information, it, it helped me learn what, what to watch out for. But uh, yes, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Okay, somebody once called me who had picked up a million cards and I said, look, do me a favor. Here's Mike Summers' information. He yeah. went through this. Yes. You don't, and they wanted to tell me all this stuff. I said, no, cut, please, do me a favor. Mike went through this. He went through firsthand experience of buying an inventory of a million cards. You don't need anybody else to deal with. Them. Yeah. And there's so many different great podcast people out there and podcasts to listen to. And that's another way that I'm constantly, if I'm not reading something on the internet or spending time with Kim, my wife, or working, 
I'm listening to podcasts all the time. I'm, I'm trying to learn vintage, and there's three or four podcasts out there that I'm, I'm trying to absorb. Mike, and I forgot his last name, does a really good vintage. Mike Moynihan, Moynihan. Moynihan. Golden Age. Yes, that's the number one that I did. It's sitting on my phone halfway through one right now. I know people enjoy when you and I talk about the vintage sets. There is a cadre of people out there who want to hear about older stuff. Not as many necessarily as the new stuff, but they want to hear about the older stuff. I got a phone call from a friend of mine. His journey is probably about, I'd say, four to five months behind mine. And he gave me the question, Brad, I want to learn about vintage. I don't know where to go. Where do you go? I literally just said the same thing to him that I said just a second ago. And he, he just go start listening, start searching. Some people are readers. Some people are listeners. Some people like to watch, observe. But a lot of them like to experience. They really want to jump in. They want to observe for six months. They want to get in the saddle and start buying cards. What do you advise for people? Is that premature? Do you need to just observe for a little while and read and and listen and soak it up? No, I think you need to pick one thing and just dip a big toe. Don't go all the way, just dip a big toe. Like for me, Pete Alonso brought me back. So I was looking at 2019 Topps baseball card. I was buying blaster packs when you could at Walmart. And that's how I stuck my big toe into it. From there, I went out and then went out and went out. Find something that you like or a player or something but and buy, jump in, but just be a little cautious at the beginning, just a little bit. There can be a lot of misinformation. Don't be afraid. Just be cautious. It sounds like from the people you listened to at the beginning, you were very lucky. You really didn't catch much misinformation. Yes. You you know, if, if some people... Well, they're not sensationalists. Right. Correct. And, if some and a lot of the misinformation people are sensationalists. Correct. You know, but but it sounds like you were very lucky in that you didn't talk to a misinformation person. I was very blessed. You got very lucky in that you chose wisely. Yes, I chose my mentors very wisely. But there, I learned. I talked about my mentor, and I learned a lot of life stuff from him too. Back in the day, it wasn't my father, but he was yeah. almost like my uncle. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to say it was an uncle. He almost was. He almost was like an uncle. I learned a lot from him. I learned tons from him. Yes. But it's like when people are learning from you, Rich, there's no way they can soak it all up. No. There's no way you could have soaked up all the wisdom that Tom Reed had. No. I mean, and I knew him too, and he was probably he's probably still he was older than me. But he was but, he was born in 1937. Okay, so he's he's older than me. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I'm making me feel younger now. Okay, um, but I'm just saying, you could soak up all you could soak up, and it's still yeah. he had a lot of depth. You have a lot of depth of understanding. Yeah. Brad could spend a year with you just, hey Rich, tell me stories. And at the end of the year, he'd know a lot, but you'd still, you, you have a whole time sold John Ramirez, one of the five known fan cards. Oh my goodness. Yes. John knew it was something he'd never seen before. And he was very thrilled to buy it. I think it was a little grown show that card from $10 from Tom. It was just one of those things where, Hey, nobody knew the value. It was like, okay. But John knew he didn't have it. And for $10, he was thrilled with it. And there are five known from this set. <laughs> and John has one of them. And John's a really cool guy. John. He's an exhaustive Ultra advanced color. And I, I think back in the 70s, I, he was one of my collecting models. And he already, he's, he's, he's barely, already, I think he's barely older than me. He's about five years older than me. Okay. But he's a little bit older than me then, but he had a fabulous collection. And the way he collected, it's not you do you boo, but I just thought he was collecting these color variations and things that weren't even in a price guide. And I thought, well, maybe that's the way I ought to do that. So I did that with some sets. Mm-hmm. And it was fun because it's a huge challenge, but he's stayed the course. He's got a fabulous collection. And here's the other thing. By doing that, it prepared you well for running price guides. Exactly. So in a way, like my brother would tell me, you should have just focused on the most expensive cards and just dealt with those. But I wouldn't have probably had the career I had if I had. And it probably wasn't your personality. I don't think it was my personality. Either. My personality was to go wide. Yeah. 
and learn. In our days, the way to become a dealer was to buy as much as you can and figure it out. And my philosophy, exactly. And what, I, in the fork in the road, just to finish this off, when John Ramirez, back in the 70s, when I'm tracking with him and he's in his career and I'm starting my career back when I was a professor and he was a chemist or something. Yeah, he's... he's okay, anyway, he was a great guy, but yes. he got bid up pretty high in some auctions where people knew that it was like the last card he needed. And he paid pretty high prices of that time. Now it looks real cheap. Mm -hmm. But he had the guts to step out there and say, this collection is important to me. This is a rare card. I'm bidding against... Bill Mastro and Robert Lifson, and I still want to win. Mm -hmm. And now he's got this fabulous collection. And yeah, as I said, he and BA are usually the first two tables oh. at the National. It's so nice to see. Whenever you go to the National and you John Ramirez and BA Murray with the first two tables, you say, All's right with the world. All's right with the world. <laughs> and, and I'm serious, it, it really was all right with the world. It was like. In the sports card world, of, yes. at least of those guys. Anyway, thanks, Rich. Thanks, Brad. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll be back again tomorrow with hopefully another interesting episode. Appreciate uh, these guys and y'all, and uh, see you tomorrow.